All right, welcome to the very first episode of the People Talk podcast. I'm Ryan O'Donnell, your host, and I'm joined by Brian Ellis of Align Technology for our very first episode. We're very excited to bring you all the People Talk podcast, where we'll be interviewing chief people officers, VPs of HR and recruiting, uh, and awesome people who are really shaking things up when it comes to all things people operations. Brian is a, a friend of mine who's graciously agreed to be the very first guest on the show. Sorry, Brian. And, uh, and we're going to uh, have a really great first episode for you. At the end of it, I really hope that you'll comment and share what you liked uh, and disliked about the podcast since it's our very first episode. We're going to be planning to make uh, you know, many more after this and would love to produce content that is relevant for you all. And hopefully this first episode will be a glimpse of what's to come with People Talk. So to get started, let me introduce our first guest. Uh, Brian Ellis has over 10 years of HR and recruiting experience. He got his start uh, actually over in China where he worked for six years before coming back to the United States and holding a variety of HR and recruiting roles at small and large companies. He's currently the uh, global Talent Acquisition Attraction Manager at Align Technologies, and before that, he was at Red Hat. Both of the companies that he's worked at previously have over 10,000 employees and have gone through incredible growth. We're really excited to have him on the show. So, Brian, to get us started, I feel like a lot of folks might know who Red Hat is, but they probably have never heard of the company Align Technology. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about what your company does and how people would know organization. Absolutely. And Ryan, thanks for the opportunity to be here. It's, uh, it's great to be on the podcast with you and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity and excited to get it started and see where the, where the podcast will go. I know you'll have a, a lot of great content and uh, great, great people ahead, but definitely happy to jump in and share more about Align technology. So Align uh, is probably best known in the United States as the maker of Invisalign, which is the clear aligner that is used um, in orthodontia so uh, a lot of um, a lot of growth and a lot of history in the market here in the United States and um, more recently a lot of international expansion and really um, utilization around the world awesome it's very cool and uh, you know when I first heard about Align technology I had heard about you all when you were several thousand employees uh, smaller um, so I imagine in your role now is a global position uh, really focused on being able to to expand your footprint outside the United States. Um, so before we kind of dive into that, let's let's bring it back. Uh, so I'd love to know a little bit, you know, where'd you go to school? Where'd you grow up? And, uh, you know, we both live here in Raleigh, North Carolina, but take us back a few years. Um, where's home originally? I'm from North Carolina originally, um, which a lot, of, a lot of people have come to the area. It's a great area, attracting a lot of great new talent. Um, but I am from uh, North Carolina, from a town about uh, 35 or 40 minutes outside of Raleigh called Rocky Mount. So Eastern North Carolina, grew up my whole life and uh, then went to college at UNC Chapel Hill. Go Tar Heels, Ryan, sorry about that. <laughs> Had to do it. Wolfpack <laughs> alumni, so I won't hold that against you. Uh, um, and uh, then after I graduated from college at, uh, at UNC, went back to Rocky Mount actually for a few years and uh, started early career there, a management training program with Enterprise Rent-A-Car, which is, has a really good uh, program for recent grads. And then 
worked for a bank for a year and then uh, ended up in uh, in China for six years following that. So that was uh, kind of college and an early career. And then uh, following China, like you said, came back to the States and got more involved in HR. So at Enterprise, you know, we're in the tie every day, vacuuming out the cars and the heat. Uh, I heard recently that they have uh, removed the requirements for a tie. So how do you feel about that? You know, I, I saw the same thing. I had, um, I had kind of mixed feelings about it. So um, I will say that from a practicality standpoint, the change is probably long overdue. Um, you know, I remember being out in the 105 degree Eastern North Carolina sun, washing uh, cars quickly for people, trying to get them uh, on the road. And um, so I will say that I think that that was certainly character building, um, but I could understand why you might not want to, <laughs> might not want to do that as well. So um, in general, you know, I think it was, um, the whole training program was really good. And then I think that aspect of it um, was just good career professional training and development, but times have changed a little bit too. And I can, I mean, I think they're, they're modernizing uh, the program and um, I think that they're, they're likely still committed to the same level of service or greater uh, than they were when I was there. And, uh, and that was shine through with their employees. So, you know, in general, strong company, strong program. And uh, it's, you know, it's good to see them at, at the end of the day, kind of updating, uh, to change with um, where things are headed. Well, I definitely remember when I was a recruiter, if I ever saw anyone that had enterprise on their resume, like you knew they'd be great sales, great recruiter. So uh, glad to see that, you know, those enterprise genes have kind of carried on through. So Absolutely. Cool. I'm not wearing white shirts anymore though. I've got a different color shirt on today. <laughs> you would qualify. You're good. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll vacuum out your car. Yeah, we'll make it work. Yeah, very cool. So uh, tell me a little bit more about Align Technology. Um, how many employees do you guys have um, and how many jobs do you guys have open right now? Yeah, we're right around 10,000 employees today and we have about 350 openings around the world. Um, and that, uh, that growth I mentioned has been really rapid. So at the end of 2014, I think the reported numbers were something like about 3,600. So to go from the end of 2014, beginning of 2015 to um, right around that 10,000 mark um, today is, um, is is pretty big in, in about a three-year period. Um, and years, more than doubled the size of the total workforce. How much of that growth was inside the United States versus outside? Um, it's, a lot of it has been international because of the, the product growth, I'd say, um, the majority. I think, you know, Invisalign just wasn't as well known in some of those markets and the product technology has come so far that it's gone from in its early stages being a cosmetic focused product to really a, a very legitimate solution for um, for a lot of different types of um, cases at this point. So, I mean, it just, you know, as the technology has, has evolved and um, at the same time, the you know the global economy, of course, is doing very well. So it's a great opportunity, I think, for the company to really get out there and um, and and do a lot of cool things. And so a lot of the growth has been um, international, both from a product perspective and um, you know a lot of other areas that are in support of the company as well. And then of those about like 360 jobs that are open, are the majority of those also overseas or? Um, stateside or what's that kind of mix look like? There's definitely a mix of both and um, so we're, we're still hiring strong in the U.S. and growing in this market and um, 
at the same time, I mean, of, of course, we're going to continue to, um, you know, hire and support growth in, in the international regions that are seeing a lot of that, um, you know, that newer market space as well. But I would say that the, the hiring and growth in the U.S. definitely remains strong. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So um, just to give me a sense a little bit about your role, because I believe you were recently promoted, so you've got some expanded uh, responsibilities uh, to take on. So tell us a little bit about what your role is and really how you define success. Yeah, absolutely. So we um, we actually recalibrated a little bit after last year when I first joined. Um, we had a very wide scope with the um, with the talent acquisition operations function, and um, we got a lot of things done. But it was, um, you know, in, in some ways, it was probably too much and too wide. And so, the recalibration for us, I think, was we brought in and someone to focus more on the system side and um, that functionality. And then we're also looking to do more on the uh, talent attraction side, which includes employer branding, but also includes team enablement and, um, and functions, uh, CRM, all those kinds of things that are really a part of the talent attraction um, pipeline, nurturing the candidate, uh, candidate experience process to really build that function out uh, to something that's more, um, more mature than what we had previously. So that's been, it's been a journey um, to get there for sure, something that we're still continuing to evolve. And um, I think we'll see a lot, a lot more progress uh, in the next 12 to 24 months because of the increased focus and dedication specifically in that area. Awesome. Now you, you've been at Alliantech now for is it 12, 18 months? Yeah, right in between that, so a little over a year. Um, and then when you first joined, what was the makeup, um, or I guess you could say size of HR and recruiting organization? The HR organization was growing globally, but um, it's, it's definitely um, continued to increase just to support the scale of the business and the rapid growth there. So um, uh, we have added substantially to the HR team uh, globally in the last 12 months that I've been here for sure. Um, and um, the, the TA function is the same thing. So as you see the company scale, um, I think it, an important focus for us is that we don't necessarily um, just increase headcount head to increase headcount. Um, but we do, I mean, we do obviously growing at this pace have to have to increase headcount. One of the things that we're trying to do with this role and, and others is make sure that we're putting in place systems and processes that will help us scale more efficiently. Um, and the goal of the organization, I think, um, one of the goals of the organization has been to, to run lean. So um, we try to maximize, you know, what we can do with the resources and talent we have. And as we need to add to that, uh, we certainly want to do it. But we also want to look at increasing uh, automation, simplifying processes where we can so that as much as possible, we're not just, um, you know, incrementally adding with no, no strategy and purpose. And, and I've got to imagine that the accolade that I saw for you guys were that uh, Align Tech was the fastest growing company on the S&P 500. Is that right? Yeah, for 2017. 2017. So obviously that's a lot of growth uh, and, and you know, it's got to be one wild ride to be a part of that, um, especially from the recruiting side. So has that kind of accolade and that kind of growth uh, like trickled over to an employment brand or 
are you talking to candidates more and, and are they knowing who you guys are and knowing the story and are they saying that they want to join because of that growth or are there other things that you all are, are kind of using uh, as you help kind of tell the story of Alliance Act? Both, both and I think um, to answer the question. So um, on the one side, yes, I think um, candidates are becoming increasingly familiar with this because of the, the media attention that the, the company is getting. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're newer in the Raleigh market. We're based in the Bay Area. So um, I think as we're here longer, too, we're just getting naturally more recognition in talent communities in, in this area as we expand here. Um, and I think that that challenge is one we face globally as well um, as the, you know, in newer markets where the product is newer and the, um, you know, the organization is a, as a hiring entity is newer. Um, there are definitely things that we're trying to do in those areas to shore up um, or um, increase visibility, increase awareness, uh, let people know who we are, uh, what it's like to work here and uh, how, you know, how that's, that could be a, a win for them in their career uh, as a next step. So we, we want to continue to take that message to, to the world, but we try to do that, uh, especially strategically in areas where we're maybe a little bit newer um, or hiring for new roles even. Um, one, of the, one of the interesting things about the organization from a technical standpoint, and you know, we're, um, we're a medical device company, we have the name technology in our <laughs> in our company name, and so you know people sometimes don't um, don't necessarily associate the connection between medical device and cutting edge technology. But there's there's really a lot of cool things that the company is doing to attract, especially tech talent. Um, uh, we're in terms of manufacturing, 3D printing is a really big part of what we do. We're one of the largest 3D printers in the world, and so there's a lot of um, a lot of technology uh, opportunity in roles around that to really help us um, do some cool things there. And that's certainly a, you know, an area of talent that we're interested in um, getting our, our name more visibility with and um, you know, just what it's like to, to be here and be a part of some of those cutting edge innovations. So as far as like our roles uh, and, and some of the roles that you're recruiting for the heaviest, like I don't imagine sales and kind of those new markets um, but then also it sounds like a lot of, you know, software engineers, people with 3D modeling experience, uh, with, you know, hardware and product backgrounds that, you know, are really into 3D printing. Uh, are there any other types of roles that you guys have found are just, you know, either um, new for your organization or, you know, roles where maybe there's that just an extreme talent shortage that you're having to get really creative to find? Yeah, that 3D area is one that um, is, is kind of a little bit more of a niche. I think still it's a growing, certainly a growing area. Uh, things like machine learning, um, C++, and those, you know, kind of a combination of all of those things. The right combination for, uh, for what it takes to be successful here is something that um, is, uh, is a big target for us and um, attracting people from other, you know, other industries and other situations. Um, it sometimes involves not only um, you know, just a career conversation, but in, in some cases they're really doing work that is um, cutting edge in other areas and things that they're really strongly passionate about as individuals. And so from a talent attraction standpoint, we want to, um, we want to create engaging content that, um, that shares what that could look like in a career here. So uh, it's not just that you're leaving, you know, something that you might be really passionate about in another area, but those same kinds of personal um, intersections with um, areas of passion could easily be available in a company like Align as well. 
And that's the story that we're trying to tell. Yeah, and it sounds, I mean, you got a great story, right? Tons of growth, lots of kind of open uh, space to innovate when it comes to like new technologies. Um, and then I've got to imagine the global component is really interesting. And that's what I wanted to kind of follow up on uh, with a couple more questions. You know, one, I'd be curious to hear from you, what are some of the things that you've noticed when it comes to attracting talent um, that are, you know, perhaps different um, between regions, right? Asia Pac versus EMEA versus the United States. Well, I mean, there's, there's, I think, um, a couple of different levels of that. One is the structural level, right? So um, it sometimes cuts across regions and sometimes cuts across functions. But um, I mean, the channels people are in the places they're hanging out are going to be different. So if you're looking at, you know, sales type roles and huge audience, obviously on LinkedIn for that, if you're looking at uh, technology roles, there's some, um, you know, there's some parts of technology that have a higher presence on LinkedIn than others. And there's some different places that they hang out. Um, same thing with the, with the regional and global aspect of it as well. So we may find that a talent pool in Costa Rica looks really different and it's hanging out in different places and we're going to go to different places to engage with them than we would in say like a China or Russia or, or Germany, places like that um, versus your traditional U S audience, which is kind of where it, where it started, but certainly has evolved way beyond at this point. Um, and then from a standpoint of, do you have, you know, uh, recruiters on the ground or, or partners on the ground that are handling kind of sourcing efforts for you, or is that all centrally managed um, inside the United States? No, we do. We definitely have uh, global members of the team in, in a lot of different places as well. So we're, um, I mean, kind of the, the four main areas that you would uh, think of with most companies. So we have North America focus, a LATAM focus, uh, APAC, and then MAF focus. And uh, within those regions, we even have people even more localized where it makes sense. So we definitely do have people that are helping us um, around the world, not only with, um, you know, some of that structural information, like where people are, but also it's really good to have their insight into uh, language things as we're having some things translated um, to attract strategic talent and from a culture perspective. And so, you know, just things that, um, things that are gonna be more attractive to people in, in certain areas versus things that may not resonate as well. And we wanna be sure to get that, um, that insight from our local teams versus trying to tr just figure that out from a US perspective. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. Um, so I've got to imagine uh, we're what uh, thirty days after GDPR going live, um, <laughs> full force and effect. So, um, what kind of changes have you seen, you know, uh, you know, since GDPR has gone into effect, or you know, how did that transition uh, affect your role? Since obviously you've got to you know, keep in mind uh, uh, all of those compliances uh, overseas. You know, I'll, I'll speak to it from a high level. We, we certainly have had some changes in terms of systems and things that we're doing. I think most companies probably have. You see it on every, every time you open your email or a web page, you're getting something for that, right? So it's not just town, town acquisition, um, although town acquisition was certainly impacted um, by the change. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think they're, the EU is trying to do things to protect their citizens' privacy and give them options there. And so we, we want to be respectful of that and engage with them um, in the way that, you know, is in keeping with uh, the current regulations of um, the place where they live. So we're, um, we're doing things from a systems perspective, um, especially to make sure that 
um, we're compliant there. And, um, and, and this is something that, you know, it's not just GDPR. I think GDPR is the one that's gotten the most press recently, but in general, I think we have a goal as an organization to be respectful with um, people's, people's data if they're entrusting that to us. And, um, and I think other countries are, are going to do things that will um, probably follow suit in some ways. We see, you know, Russia is not part of GDPR, but they have some privacy regulations that are impacting the way we um, interact with candidates and things like that. And uh, there's some things going on in China that may may impact this as well. So I think this is, um, you know, part of it is just the way the world is changing. You know, it could be very well that even in North America in the future would see something like this. And so. Um, Part of part of the fun of TA is the um, the the need for adaptability and resiliency, and that's certainly something that we're trying to build into our process as we um, you know, adapt our processes to the you know the new and changing changing world with that aspect of things. Yeah, well, I can just say you know every day is a little bit different uh, in talent acquisition, so I can certainly relate to that. But the uh, you know I think what's interesting is you know we obviously had to make you know our product over at Employus GDPR compliant. Um, but it, it somewhat felt like par for the course, right? I mean, we're already doing these things. And, you know, what I've seen was probably most surprising was, you know, the number of you know, customers who actually mandated it, not just for Europe, but who said, hey, we want you to be GDPR compliant. We want you to take those same standards that you've put in place for EU citizens and apply them everywhere. You know, if you're working yep. in the house, you require it. And I just thought that was a really interesting move, you know. Uh, it's very easy to take kind of a minimalist approach and, and kind of uh, only apply those regulations, you know, as narrowly as possible. But, you know, it's been really cool to see some companies, you know, obviously take uh, that stance and say, hey, look, other countries are going to do it. It's going to be a best practice. It's going to be expected. So we might as well lean into it instead of running away from it. That's right. Very yeah, cool. it's really really forward looking, I think, of companies to go ahead and take a global approach to it. And that way, as as laws and regulations around the world do to continue to change, get passed, update, things like that, then you've already got your basic structure in place and you can adjust your, you know, your interaction with that as you need to for a local audience. But um, it's, yeah, I think going ahead and putting a global, um, you know, global framework around that for companies that have a uh, global audience and global hiring needs is definitely a smart thing to do. The big kind of takeaway there for anyone who's listening is, you know, don't look at GDPR as something that is done. Uh, consider it as really the first step in kind of a wave of both new regulations and new efforts to protect candidates' privacy. Um, and, and really, I think, provide a, a, a more robust framework for talent acquisition, um, uh, keeping in mind that people you know, want to know what their information is being used for. Now, I'll, I'll shift gears a little bit because um, one trend that I've seen with a lot of HR tech vendors um, not a surprise, but everyone's hyping up all about AI and machine learning recruiting. Most of the companies that I've seen that do that, um, you know, have pretty much, you know, scraped together, um, you know, hundreds of millions of user profiles together in ways that are not necessarily, um, I guess, aligned with the spirit of a lot of GDPR compliance. So I guess my main question for you first is, you know, do you think that uh, AI machine learning is overhyped in recruiting and talent acquisition and in HR or, or underhyped? Are people not really fully realizing what it could do yet? There's probably, there's probably some, the answer somewhere in the middle of that. Um, you know, I think, um, I think there will be a really big opportunity 
for technology to influence talent acquisition in um, in the years ahead. And I think you know the the talent acquisition, the HR community has has known that, has seen it coming for a while. Um, at the same time, I think there will definitely always be um, the value of the the personal relationship and um, you know, it seems like there's been, um, as the technology has even, you know, more recently been involving, evolving with uh, some of the AI stuff, machine learning, all that. It's, uh, you know, you start to see a shift towards some of those things um, going, you know, less from back to the future, you know, like this may happen sometime to, as they're more widely embraced, I think, and just, you know, a, a natural part of what um, teams are doing, you do see an elevated value, I think, on the personalization of the experience. And that's really the edge, I think, that's getting um, getting companies ahead. Um, these days, I see that emerging some, and I think in the future, that'll continue to be, um, you know, people, people will just have an expectation that um, the machines will make things run smoothly, but the people will really still be the ones that, are making sure that people feel that connection. Um, and so to the extent that um, technology can help us make things run smoothly without us having to touch it so that we can offer even more of that connection, I think that's really valuable. Um, I think where where people will probably, you know, misstep um, from time to time, and we may have already seen some of this, is trying to rely too heavily on the technology for that personal connection part or just trying to delete the personal connection part from the equation. Um, and that may, that may work in the short term, but I think probably in the long term, um, there, you know, it's, it's going to be more successful with the personal connection aspect of things. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, you know, too, a lot of things that I've seen more aligned with, I think, you know, like a Google cloud, uh, job discovery, you know, uh, they just opened that up for, um, the uh, uh, beta for the public uh, access. And I know like Johnson & Johnson used um, Google's machine learning tool just to match up better job descriptions to display more relevant results to candidates. So that, you know, if I type in uh, an account manager position, I'm gonna, the, the job board, their career site should show all of their sales jobs. They That's right. Success jobs, because those are all related. And, you know, just, you know, doing a keyword search for account uh, probably is not the most efficient way to deliver those results. So right. I've seen all these incremental improvements on our side. It's really neat to see, but uh, how it gets implemented is, is really neat as well. Yeah, such a convergence, I think, too, between the technology that uh, has traditionally been used by marketing. And, the, you know, this has been going on for years, too, but I think you'll continue to see this um, kind of the merging of um, the data side of it uh, from a marketing perspective with the candidate experience to continue to try to tailor and personalize on the systems side. But then again, you want to, you want to make sure that that personal connection is still uh, maintained and, and probably the elevation of that is what gives you a competitive edge in the future. Very cool. So we're well, going to wrap up. So a couple final questions for you real quick. Uh, what is Align Tech's Glassdoor score? 3.6, I believe, today. 3.6, and is that higher or lower than when you joined 12 months ago? I think it's about the same. Um, it, it's fluctuated up and down a little bit, and I think some of that's with um, with some of the global growth as well, different 
different markets. Um, it, yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's probably about the same as it was when I started. That's pretty good. What, uh, what is your favorite HR tech tool uh, that, that you've used recently? So I've given this some thought and, you know, I really, I don't want to necessarily um, promo one, <laughs> one brand or the other, but I think just in general, talking about, um, talking about things that I've been, that I enjoy and that we're looking to do um, top priorities for me. I'll say this when I'm looking at different tech tools uh, for HR and especially for, um, for talent acquisition are um, one, can it simplify something that we're already doing? Can we, can we automate a part of our process without needing to add another person's and not just in a way. So I think some, you know, some of the challenge you see with, um, with different tools in general and, and no different in the HR space is um, it looks great on the surface, but if you're asking people who are already logging into, you know, a bunch of different systems every day to add one more thing or do one more thing, it's looking at the whole process holistically and saying, well, on the surface, it looks like this is going to do something great, but is my team going to perceive this? I'm just asking them to do something else and their plates are full. So I'm really sensitive to um, adding something else on top of that. That's not going to be easy for them. I really want something that is not going to take them a month of training to get assimilated into. They're not necessarily going to have to do a separate login. And it's, you know, from a, from an AI machine learning standpoint, especially, is it going to, um, is it going to increase their capacity without increasing their, um, hours that they're putting, <laughs> putting in? Um, so really help them get more output with, you know, minimal, um, additional input is from a technology standpoint, I think what we're looking for. Uh, so I'd say simplification and, and automation are two, the two biggest components right now we're looking at. So simplify my workflows, give my recruiters some time back, and uh, and make sure that this is a tool that they'll actually use. Yeah, and they, you know, they want to do, we have a great team here, um, the team that's in, in Raleigh, especially that, that I get to work with every day, and um, they they want to do more. They're, I mean, they're, they're a great team. They want to meet the needs of the business, and they're really driven, uh, they're really driven to do that, and so we want to give them tools that are going to enable them to be more successful in that partnership to bring the business what it needs. Awesome. All right. Now, last question. Rewind uh, to when you were 20 years old. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? My 20-year-old self. Um, my 20-year-old self. Goodness. Right before well, <laughs> I started vacuuming cars at 105 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, look, I think um, there's a lot of things I probably probably would go back and tell myself. Um, before I, before I say any of it, I'll say I'm really appreciative of the journey. Cause I think, you know, if you go back and change things, then, um, some of the lessons change too. And the lessons I'd say I got, have gotten from everything have been really valuable, uh, even the mistakes. And so, and there've been a lot of those, <laughs> um, my share, my fair share, especially. Um, but some of the, some of the basic things and some of the things I think I had, a, you know, a theoretical concept of when I was 20 years old, but not necessarily an experiential concept of as much was, look, you can learn something from every person you meet, whether um, it's somebody you're passing by on the street, somebody who's in your office, no matter what their role is. So um, get to know people, talk to them um, and find out their story. Everybody's got a story and, um, and there's, there's always something you can learn. Um, from every person they've had different experiences they've learned in different ways and 
uh, and you can pick those up. Um, I think to um, not trying to do everything at once. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, life is a life is a marathon and not a sprint. And so, um, putting tools in your toolkit along the way, um, really focusing on lifelong learning um, and doing what you can with what you have at the time. Always do the right thing. I think I was, you know, again, one of the things that I was um, conceptually committed to at the time, but exper experientially, you, um, you know, you make mistakes and you learn from those. And so uh, I'd go back and reinforce that uh, for sure. Always do the right thing. Always learn from people, um, you know, and, and focus on life as a marathon, not a sprint. Um, making sure that you're uh, you're doing your best but maintaining balance. You can always learn something from anyone you meet. So meet a lot of people and know that life is a marathon and not a sprint. That's some great right. advice. We're going to go ahead and close it up. But uh, thank you so much, Brian. Uh, again, for everyone who's listening, this is Brian Ellis, the Global Talent Acquisition uh, Attraction Manager for Align Technology, the fastest growing company on the S&P 500 for 2017. They've got over 360 open jobs. They've got 10,000 employees all around the world, and they're growing like crazy. So check out their jobs and uh, make sure to follow Brian on LinkedIn and subscribe to the podcast. We're very excited to publish this first episode. We look forward to producing more for you. Comment below. Let us know if there's anything you liked, disliked, or wanted to see in future episodes. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Brian. Really appreciate you having me on the show. Great. Thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here.